This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit in your home. Well, hello, listeners. I'm so happy you're here for a new episode. I'm your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach. And I'm excited to bring you this episode today with Iris Chen, who we are talking with about how we can solidify unconditional love in our homes and our parenting. And this is a really special episode, you guys, because I had my dear little cousin, Midori, join us, who I just really look up to and and respect deeply. Midori is actually a few decades younger than me, and very early in her motherhood journey, she has a three-year-old, and then she just gave birth to a precious baby boy. So we're really excited for her, but I just love the way she does motherhood. I love the way she carries herself. I love the way she teaches her son. I love how he has long hair, just like my son has long hair. And I wanted to invite her to be on the show with us today because she is of Asian American descent and so is Iris. And you'll hear the conversation today is just really special because Midori can speak to a lot of the experiences that her and I Iris, you know, know of firsthand and that Iris specializes in when it comes to helping parents who have grown up with a tiger mom and who want to move on and not parent in a tiger mom way. So let me tell you a little bit about Iris and then we'll go from there. So Iris Chen is an author, intersectional unschooler, and founder of the Untigering Movement. After recognizing the negative effects of authoritarian tiger parenting in her own life, she now empowers others to untiger by advocating for peaceful parenting, self-directed learning, mental health, and decolonization. Her mission is to inspire generational and cultural transformation, especially among Asian communities. She spent 16 years living overseas in China, but now resides in her native California with her husband and two sons. You can read more about her adventures in her book, Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent, and on her blog at untigering.com. So I just really admire Iris. I have been following her for quite some time on Instagram and just love her, her spirit, her soft way of just really calling us into action and challenging a lot of the cultural conditioning from the past to change that, to do it differently for our own kids. So she is just amazing. And to hear her and Midori just share, right, in a lot of what the culture that they had growing up and then also what Iris, you'll hear, just like so many of us, right, she started to kind of fall into a rhythm in her early motherhood years and then realized, wait a second, I want to do this differently. This doesn't feel quite right with my heart. I want to learn a new way. And then she just, you know, she she completely transformed the rest of her her motherhood journey and now helps so many other families in the world thrive. So I just love Iris and I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. I think there's so much much in common with tiger parenting as, you know, a lot of families that I support, families of all kinds, but a lot of families find me who are really kind of knee deep in 
Christian culture that is of the toxic type, right? Like so much of Christian culture. Oh my God. I love Christian culture. Of course, it's my faith, my faith family, my faith community. But there are certain circles within the Christian community that really teach some pretty scary stuff when it comes to parenting and discipline. And it can be really challenging to navigate that. And of course, it's all based in authoritarian parenting, which is the way so many of us were raised, right? So I just found it really fascinating to hear about how authoritarian parenting is so similar, like the basis of fear and force and intimidation and judgment and control and all the things, right? How it can be the same if you were raised halfway across the world in China or if you were raised here in America or whether, you know, whatever your background is, it's all similar. It feels like crap and it makes, you know, human beings think that they have to make other human beings do what they want and that it's okay to to do that through fear and force and intimidation and humiliation and all that whack ass stuff. So it's just really interesting that there's so many similarities and it is an honor to alongside of Iris and Midori who is breaking the chain and saying I'm not going to use those type of tactics with my own children and alongside you to help change the world to make that style of parenting authoritarian parenting no longer the norm in our world and so every single one of you who listens to this show every single one of you who incorporates the tools and the strategies and the mindset shifts that I teach here at Fresh Start Family I love all of you who are inside of the Fresh Start experience and are students of mine, everyone who follows Iris's work and, and buys her book and implements what she teaches and everyone who is just willing to do things different and have the courage to stand up and say, hey, that might have worked for you, mom and dad, but I'm not going to do the same thing with my kids. And I believe that I can raise amazing, kind, healthy, responsible human beings who contribute to the world and are amazing by teaching them important life lessons with grace and dignity and firm kindness and all that good stuff. So, Thank you to everyone who is listening, every single one of you who listens to this show, who implements this work into your home. Please make sure you go support Iris. She's doing incredible work in the world. Buy her book, follow her on Instagram, and make sure you share this with your friends and family. Share on social. If you love this episode, make sure you share on Instagram, especially tagging me. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy. Iris is at Untigering. And Midori, I wish I knew her handle right now, but I don't, so I'll make sure I put that in the show notes page because she's really fun to follow too. But make sure you you follow Iris and just thanks for listening, you guys. If you haven't yet hopped on our email list, make sure you do that over at FreshStartFamilyOnline.com. We've got a quick start learning bundle to really get you fast-tracked in your parenting walk to more cooperation and better listening with your kids. It comes with a free learning guide and a free educational class that I would love to have you attend with me. So head on over to FreshStartFamilyOnline.com grab your quick start learning bundle and that'll drop you onto our weekly email list too where I get to reach out and tell you when we have new podcast episodes and just stay consistently in touch so I can encourage you and cheer you on on a weekly basis so you guys thanks for listening thanks for being here without further ado help me welcome Iris and Midori to the show enjoy this episode well hey there I'm Stella Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. 
We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show! Well, hello there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be here today with Iris Chen. Welcome to the show, Iris. Thank you for having me, Wendy. Yes, and you guys, as a special guest today, we have my little cousin, Midori, with us, who is just going to add so much richness to our conversation. We are going to be talking to, to Iris today about how we can solidify unconditional love in our homes and our parenting. And then we're also going to talk about why it works so dang good to help kids behave better too. That's just a little bit of icing on the cake. But Iris, we are we are so happy that you've taken time out of your, your busy day to be with us. You are just such an inspirational advocate in this space, you know, and I just really admire what you are doing with your untigering movement. So before we get going, will you just take a moment to tell us a little bit about your story? Your story is incredible and so fascinating and cool and all of it. So just, you know, share a little bit from from the beginning. How did you get to where you are now? You're doing, like I said, incredible work in the world, but we would love to hear everything about how you got to this point and why and how you got to this passion of helping families and kids in this capacity. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a pretty long story, but I think it's just like, I have to start with my own childhood because like for many of us who grew up as children of immigrants, Probably many of us experienced tiger parenting. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's really just authoritarian parenting with a lot of rules and a lot of demands and expectations, not a lot of relational warmth sometimes, and specifically often for the purpose of raising like successful, you know, children in the world's eyes. And so, yeah, yeah I think. For me, that's the sort of parenting that I grew up in, a lot of rules, really strict, a lot of expectations. And I think when I started having children of my own, I knew I would like loosen up a little bit. I wouldn't be as strict as my parents because I was, you know, (laughs) born and raised in America. So it's going to incorporate some of that too. But there was still like that expectation of obedience and like, First time obedience, what I say goes, and don't question me, don't talk back. And so with my first child, I think the early years were really nice and sweet. And then he started showing me that he was his own person (laughs) and he had his own ideas. And yeah, I did not take that well. (laughs) I think I had the expectation that I could control another person. I could control my child, that it was my responsibility to make them behave. So I had all these expectations of my own role as a parent, what that meant, what a good parent meant was to like create a well-behaved child. And my child was not complying with my wishes and would push back, would get upset easily and I was so frustrated because I think up until that point, I felt like I had control over my life. I I like made plans and like those plans panned out and having children made me realize I don't have control. I 
I'm so frustrated, but I didn't know what else to do. So I just came down harder. I felt like if I made it more painful to disobey me, if I just created more, more like pain, more hardship, then they will learn to obey me. But what that did was it just created this cycle of of disconnection and anger and frustration on my part. I was so angry. I was such an angry mom. And it just got to the point where I realized I don't enjoy my child. It was a really scary place for me to, to believe because, you know, this you know, stereotype of just like the loving mom where you give everything to your child. And I was not feeling that with my child and in my parenting. I was like, I don't like this. I, I'm i tired of this. How can I repair? And yeah, so it was just, there, there were many steps along the way. And I think a lot of it had to do with my own personal healing of like healing my own childhood wounds where I was realizing like so much of my frustration with my child was like his his humanity, his big emotions, his imperfections. And those were also the things that I had a really hard time accepting in myself where I wasn't allowed to fail. I wasn't allowed to cry or to get upset. I just had to hold it all in. And so there was this one time when I went to just a parenting workshop and I was there sort of like as a friend of the speaker, I wasn't really even there to, to learn. I, I thought like, oh, I'm not I here to this. learn. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I was struggling, but I felt like I, I sort of got it down. But then she was talking about just neurobiology of children and how developmentally they need our help to regulate and how when they're dysregulated and then we come down harder on them by yelling, by spanking, by doing all those things, it actually makes them more dysregulated. And so what they really need from us is our calm, our compassion for them to like calm their bodies and brains down. And I think that was the first time that somebody had like talked about neurobiology in the context of parenting. And because in the past, I had always interpreted it as willful disobedience. If a child is not listening to me and doing as I say, it's because they are willfully trying to gain the upper hand and I need to show them who's boss. But this really just blew my mind and, and showed me like they're struggling. My child is really struggling and I am punishing him for struggling. I'm punishing him for having a hard time. And what he really needs from me is more compassion. He needs me to help him through this hard time. And so that really began a shift for me where I I was recognizing the ways that I was interacting with him was like exacerbating the behavior. It was making things worse and I wasn't providing for him what he needed. So that evening I went home and I talked to my husband. I was like, because at that point I had been using a lot of authoritarian, abusive, oppressive strategies to try to control my children's behavior, spanking being one of them. And I realized like, I went home and I was like, I can't do that anymore. I thought that that was the right thing to do, but I'm realizing that that is so harmful, so damaging, and I can't do that anymore. And so, yeah, he was really supportive and, and that just really began a journey for me to lay aside 
these power over domineering, coercive, controlling strategies. And once I like said, I'm not going to do those anymore. It was just like, okay, what am I left with? It's yeah. like, oh, it was really, what am I going to do I now? Know, <laughs> like, no, what do I do? And then begin discovering, I began discovering more connected, like relational, respectful ways to just see our children, see them with new eyes and really provide for them what they really need. And so, yeah, that was really, you know, the start of my journey. And I think through all the years, it was like, I was so thirsty to gain more knowledge and resources because this was never modeled to me. And I didn't really see other people like, parenting in this way necessarily, maybe, maybe in some ways, but not in other ways. And so I like scoured the internet all the time. I was like scrolling through and it really became just a source, like a resource for me to, to learn so much and shift my thinking. And so I began blogging about it. I began sharing resources. And then I wrote a book about my own journey and about the lessons that I've learned. And so yeah, that's how it all began. Oh, so good. And how old are your kiddos now, Iris? They are now 12 and 14. 12 and 14. Awesome. I have 12 and 15. So we're, we're very, very close. But I, I, gosh, how beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's amazing how, you know, 99% of us who become educators and such advocates in this space, we have this almost the same exact story, right? Like the same. And I love how in, in one of a place where I read your story once you, you share how, I think it was your little guy. He was like, this is not your words, but basically he was like, hell no. Like he raised his hand and was like, no, you cannot do this to me in his own way. Right. And I always felt like that's what Stella did too. And I was trying all of the external authority, you know, authoritarian stuff of the spanking and the timeouts. And she just revolted against it because she is my beautiful, strong-willed little girl. And who's the reason why I got into all of this. Right. So that's amazing. I can just relate so much, but I thought it was, would be really fun to have Midori here today too, because Midori is a beautiful young Asian American mama. And And I say little cousin because she's two decades younger than me, but she's not so little anymore. She's all grown up and she's expecting her second child. But I, you know, I just think I I wanted to hear if, you know, A, if you can relate to some some of what Irish shared about growing up in Asian American culture and just like high demands, you know, and it's so much of like, And I love that you use the word oppressive a lot, Iris, because that is a word that I think everyone is starting to understand this, you know, that norm of parenting that runs so thick in so many cultures has so much, like it's so tied with like so much of the messed up stuff that we've done in the world, not just in parenting, but it's, it's oppression. It's straight up oppression. But I just thought maybe Midori, you could share maybe if you could relate to being raised with some of that stuff and then becoming a mom and wanting to do it differently. Now I have a feeling, Iris, the little your little one that basically was the one that got you into this work. Would you describe him as having a beautiful strong will? Yes, but I I think I realized that his strong will was because of his sensitivity. Because oh, cool. he was so sensitive that he would react in really big ways when I tried to control mm. him. So it's it's not yeah. the type of strong will where it's just like, you know, digging their heels and like wanting their own way. It was just because he was so overwhelmed all the time. Oh, that's so and, fascinating. 
Yeah. Because and Midori got blessed with like a, a very, like me, maybe similar. Like he, her, your, your little guy's three now, right? Yes. Cove is three. And mm-hmm. he, like he, he doesn't replicate the same behaviors as Stella, right? Like he's very mm-hmm. different. And part of me is like, oh, you got less with the easy kid. Just like, let's see, <laughs> let's see what second brings, right? But it's also like, I think it's just innate in you, Midori, to do things differently than how yeah. you were raised. And I know that there's probably times when you are, you know, there's conditioning. Mm-hmm. And and so I just thought maybe you could speak to, because I know you love, as you're building your own business, mm-hmm. you love to support Asian American moms too. Oh, yeah. And so Absolutely. I just thought maybe you could speak to that a little bit and tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. And then your goal as a parent now, especially as you're learning more about this stuff, as you're learning more about what I teach, about what Iris teaches, mm-hmm. and just figuring it out in parenthood as you expect your second. Yeah. So It's interesting hearing your story, Iris, and then I know your story with your children because I grew up with a tigering mom. I grew up with a tigering grandma, great grandma, a whole generation, like Mm. generational trauma, right? So it stems from, I mean, as far back as I can remember. And so I grew up in a Japanese household and For me, though, I didn't have that kind of strong will that your children had. So in like, you know, standing up and saying, no, like you cannot Mm. treat me this way. It's interesting to me because I kind of did the opposite. So I really shrunk down. I really felt like, okay, this is it. Like, this is mom said this and this, and I have to do that. And looking back at my childhood, I feel like I was a very good girl. I was a very good mm-hmm. girl. And was that by choice? No, it was because I was in fear of my mom and bringing shame on her. And there was a lot of comparison me with other children, grade reports, you know, it always had to do with performance. And if I made her look good and then she would take those achievements and kind of brag about them as if they were her own. And then my failures or my mistakes were mine and they brought shame to her. Mm -hmm. So just very interesting hearing that your children were you know, so strong-willed and I'm I'm proud of them for that and kind of rebelling against that and, and, you know, going about a different way. But for me, I definitely did not. I kind of became a shell of myself. It was Mm. a very internal struggle that I had to go through alone. So it was very isolating as a child growing up, feeling like, my parents, my mom's love could be stripped away. My grandma's love could be stripped away at any moment and then kind of dangled in front of me. So that, yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like I am naturally a very sensitive person, very empathetic. and, And my mom growing up with her tigering mom and her tigering grandma, right? she was not taught the tools. She was, she doesn't have the tools to open up, you know, have an open discussion, have open communication, talk about emotions, show affection. She doesn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I feel like I was maybe put into her life to kind of show her 
Like here is embodied a person that is all emotion, all about affection, needs the sensitivity, needs the compassion. And she just didn't know what to do with that. And it kind of made her uncomfortable. So she would lash out. And I think for me, I am just naturally, you know, like I said, sensitive and whatnot. So when I raise my son and my soon-to-be child, I just think that I have such a different approach because I know that did not work for me. I ran away from my mom instead of running to her. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you could end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. That's a little bit of my story and where I come from. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, (laughs) and I can't wait to hear Iris's just thoughts and like, you know, just reflecting on that, but, and then share with us now that you're a mom, Midori, because I think a lot of times what happens is we either like just automatically mimic what we were raised with and Mm -hmm. it's like, dang it. Why, why am I yelling? I'm like, I was never a yeller before I had kids. And then all of a sudden I'm like, shit, I'm like totally replicating the way my parents raised me, but you seem to be doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, and, and I know there are days, right. Where you just have to fight the habit oh, yeah. brain or whatever, but like what, t- talk to us about your, what you would love to now that you are raising mm-hmm. your son and 
we'll see what number two is. <laughs> I want to be like, I want to be she, he, I but know, we wait. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like what, what are your hopes and dreams? Like, you know, being, cause I mean, was your, are you third like a third generation was your grandma in Japan, grandpa? So, so yeah, grandma was born in Japan. Okay. Got it. And mom then, was born here. Mom okay. was born in California. So that makes second generation. Is that right? Second generation, Asian American, like I, or, I would that. I don't know. <laughs> I think okay. it's second generation. I don't know. Like, I'm okay. not sure. Maybe. Yeah. Talk about it differently. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So with Cove, my son, I really, my goals with parenting is to not just create this blanketed, this is how I parent and these are my guidelines. You know, of course that's, that's great to have, but I think that each individual child has different needs and has a different way of accepting love. And with Cove, he is like me, very sensitive. So I knew that I had to, I had to get down to his eye level. I had to give him that extra compassion and allow him to talk out his feelings. He's only three years old and he teaches me, you know, like he is amazing. amazing at expressing himself, telling me, mommy, I'm really sad. And the fact that he's three and he's able to articulate how he's feeling, I feel like we're doing a good job at allowing him to feel his emotions and then talk about them. Something I never got the opportunity to have. So, and the fact that he is willing to come to me with those emotions is huge for me. Like, because like I said, I ran away from my mom. Any emotions I had, I I couldn't show her. I I would get in trouble. Mm, So it was a lot of, because I said so with my mom, it was a lot of, you're not allowed to cry. If you cry, there were a lot of physical threats, a lot of spankings. So, I mean, I just remember, I'll, I'll share really quickly this short story of, I was in the back of the car and my mom was driving and her best friend was in the car who I call auntie. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I don't know what I did, but I did something and I, I could feel myself starting to get, you know, when you're about to cry, yeah. your, your throat starts to hurt a little bit, you get choked up. And I was just so conditioned to not cry that I told my mom, mommy, my throat really hurts. I think I need to cry. And I remember her best friend turning around, looking at me in the backseat and she started crying. Like she just lost it. She was like, how can this tiny girl, you know, not allow herself to cry? Like I get emotional thinking Mm -hmm. about it now, looking back and seeing somebody from the outside perspective, looking in kind of seeing like, what is this? You know? So a lot of emotional trauma and healing came when, or the healing started to come when I, I think when I got pregnant with Cove and so he's three. So during my pregnancy, that was kind of the shift for me. That was when I was like, you know what? I want to do this different. I, I already knew I wanted to be different, but that when I found out I was pregnant, it was okay, go time. And I know I have to do some healing myself before I can make any kind of changes. 
right? Because even in my relationship with my husband, when we first got together, there was a lot of things that I learned from watching her triggered into that. So I was very aggressive. I was very like, anytime we would get in a fight, I would say, okay, well, there's the door. I don't need you. Go ahead, go ahead, leave. Because I, I watched that growing up. I watched her constantly needing to show power. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with parenting and now my relationship with my husband, it's a constant, you know, journey, right? We're always working at it, but I think that we're setting up some good boundaries, some good goals, and just really setting up our children for success in being able to come to us, to run to us instead of running away from us. Heck yes. And I can attest from watching, like I always am worried that my family and friends is like, she's watching me. She's watching me. Is she is she judging me? And I'm like, no, I promise you, I'm never judging anyone. However, like, dang, I really admire the way you are raising your kids. And especially when you know that we've come from a different experience. So, so beautiful. And Iris, I know you're like, I, you know, I read somewhere that you you know, some w- one way you describe your work is parenting based in partnership versus power. So working with, you know, and, and lo- loving to support so many beautiful Asian American moms and families, does that story that Midori shared resonate a ton? Like, I mean, does it, is it replicated in a lot of the families you work with? Absolutely. I mean, I think my own story is, is similar in some ways and different in other ways. It's like, I also grew up learning how to be the good child, how to Mm -hmm. obey and make myself small, like disappear. So I wouldn't get negative attention, you know? And so I grew up as the good girl. I learned how to be that. And I'm, but I think I brought that, like, unlike you, and and I'm so inspired and so encouraged that you began the healing process, like you recognized it and you you worked on it. I think for me, even though I knew that I didn't want to replicate it, I didn't do enough healing work to recognize how I could change. So it's just like, I don't want to do that, but I still ended up doing it. Right. Yeah. I still ended up bringing that that sense of a need for power, a need for control, like those expectations, that perfectionism, all of that. I still brought that into my parenting. And so it wasn't until like many years later that I recognized, okay, this didn't work. But I think it's just so beautiful what you were inspired to do. And I, this this whole reparenting aspect that that is really part of our own parenting, right? It's like where we need to relearn ways to be with ourselves and to see ourselves so that we can show up with our children in different ways. And so, yeah, it's just so beautiful what you've done. Mm, So good. Thank you. And and there really is never the wrong time, right? Like for, I, I'd say 95% of the people who listen to this show are like you and I, Iris, where we we discovered like, I, I was like three years in. I don't know how far in you were when you discovered it and you did the what I call the 180. And then there is like, Midori represents like the vision that I have for like this work one day, right? That everyone will hear it or have the sense ahead of the child, <laughs> but most of us find it or realize it when we're thick in the like jacked up stuff that we're like, oh, dang, A, this isn't working because our child is beautifully like revolting against it. And and B, this 
this does not feel right in my soul. And then we do the 180, right? But I hope one day that all of our work, your work, my work, everyone, you know, who does this work beside us, we will create a strong enough current in the world that it will become preventative for people one day, that that will become the norm, that everyone will know this before they have kids, right? And so they won't have to undo everything. Like it, it is a lot easier when you when you learn it and when you realize like, oh, there's so much healing you can do to change. So you don't react like that uh, ahead of it. Like you, if you can just get yourself a little ahead of it, it's just going to be easier to implement it. So yeah, so good. And, and everything, you know, we're talking about so far, really, like there's an undercurrent of unconditional love being absent, right? Like, and I, I find it so fascinating to learn more about the Asian American or Asian culture, Asian American culture, whatever you want to call it. Like there are so many similarities, like I didn't know that they, in the Asian culture, there was spanking. I thought that was just some messed up, like Christian thing in America. <laughs> like, I know there's spanking oh, in the no. world, but there's in my funny spanking. Right. Like it's just, it's, it's not comforting, but it's also like, God, well, thank God we're not the only ones who got it all wrong. Right. Like yeah. as, as a Christian myself, I just am heartbroken over the false lies that are spread in like my circle, you know, not my circles of faith, but in circles of faith that have just taught the parents. It's just heartbreaking and it's so false. Right. But to hear that that is so common in Asian culture too. But yeah, let's, let's just get into this. Like, you know, Iris, talk to us, like when we're talking about solidifying unconditional love, right? Like we know that as humans, like we have these basic needs and this is what I teach here at Fresh Start Family, but we have these basic needs and the need to belong is really one of the deepest ones, right? The need to feel powerful is right up there. It's there, but, and the valuable and all the things, but the need to feel like you truly belong, that you are accepted, that you are understood, that you are honored, that you are just the way you are, that you don't need to do anything or prove yourself. And dang, we just, most of the parenting stuff that we do before we learn this work Unless you're Midori. <laughs> you just have this innate, you just have this innate knowing. That's all I can say. But but it's it's like backwards, right? It's like ass backwards. So let's talk about this first idea of as parents, how we can focus on connection over correction and really see mistakes as opportunities to learn and that we don't have to be so dang harsh on our kids. Like riff on that for a little bit for us, Iris. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when we think about parenting, so much of it is often about like behavior management, right? It's about like how we get our children to sleep on, sleep when we want them to eat what they're supposed to, like, you know, all of these things. So it's all about the surface behavior. And what, what I have begun to learn is that it's so much more about connection. And once we have that connection, a lot of the other stuff falls into place. But if we're we're hyper-focused on behavior management, then it becomes more about control. It becomes about like punishments and rewards, manipulation, domination, all of those things. But if our focus is on connection, then there's just so much more ease and joy. And I think a huge like shift for me was to see all of behavior as communication instead of needing yeah. to label it as bad behavior, misbehavior, naughty, disobedient, all of those things, but to see all of it as a way for our children to signal to us what their needs are. Mm -hmm. And if I can see all of their behavior is that I can approach them with more curiosity. It's just like, okay, why are you yelling and screaming right now? 
if, if I was just focused on behavior, I'd be like, stop screaming, go to your room. Like, I'm going to take away your toy, whatever, because I'm, I'm focused on stopping the behavior. But if I see the behavior, like the need under the behavior, then I can be a lot more curious. I can be like, oh, why are you so upset? Oh, your, you know, your, your baby brother took that toy away from you and that doesn't feel good and, and validate it and, and really help them meet their needs. And then once they know that they are heard and connected and feel that like understanding and that unconditional love, then, then they do stop crying. You know, they might cry for a little bit and that's yeah. okay. Cause they need to get their emotions out. But then but that a lot of the times the behavior itself will resolve itself because their needs are met. And so, yeah, this idea of connection is like the core of, of parenting. In, in almost every other relationship, we understand that. <laughs> we understand that it's about connection and about intimacy. But for some reason, with a parent-child relationship, like there's this hierarchy and the, there's this need for like, we feel like we need to be responsible. We feel like we need to control. And then it becomes less about behavior, but less about connection and more about just trying to get them to do what we want them to do. And I think we really need to shift that. Yes. I think I've enjoyed over the years trying to like identify some of the like knee jerk thoughts that come after misbehavior, which is often ones that were like fed to us, right? Like the statements. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you can think of anything, Midori, that like, you know, your mom used to say, but like, I think identifying them and being willing to like, oh, this is, this is, this is trying like this, like programming almost is like trying to have me go towards the correction first over the connection. So for me, like shame on you. What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. You should know better. Those are ones that like come up in my mind right away that that because I can have awareness around them, I realize like when they flash into my brain with the kids, I mean, the kids are older now, right? Like we've been doing this work for so long. There's not as, there's not as much misbehavior as when they were young. And um, that's the beauty, right? Once you have, once you do this work for so long, once you have teenagers, it's like, oh, teenagerhood is, is not drama. It's not awful. It's actually like just all the, it's beautiful <laughs> and there's challenges for sure. But I don't know if you'd like, can you think of any like things that your mom used to say that we were definitely focused on correction, like, you know, that come to your mind? You know, one phrase that pops into my head is just because I said so. Mm, yeah. There was a never an explanation. And I've realized as I've grown up, I need explanation. I need to know what is (laughs) happening. I think because I felt out of control of my life as a child growing up because somebody was so in control of me. So it kind of led me to this, I need to know what's going on type of mentality. Like for example, at the dentist, I need the dentist to talk through what he is doing in my mouth. Or else I kind of get anxiety and my dentist knows that. So it's just interesting. So the, because I said so Mm, without any kind of explanation. And I, I remember often asking, but why? Like, I genuinely wanted to know why. And I think that if she gave me her, why I probably would have understood, but it was more so of a, well, don't talk back type of thing. Yeah. Like, because I said so, don't ask questions. Mm. So that's my, which is the opposite of connecting. Right. Right. I mean, mean, when someone says like, 
Okay, that's a good question. Let me explain to you why we have such a firm limit. Like for our ours in the last few years has been the helmet. Like here in Encinitas, California, I don't know if it's like this where you live, but oh my gosh, we are like the e-bike. I swear we are the e-bike capital of the world. <laughs> and it is wild how many kids roll around with their helmets unbuckled. I'm just like, it's terrifying. I'm going to lose my mind. Like, where are these parents? What do you guys not see? Like, this is a traumatic brain injury waiting to happen. But it's been helmets and then also the cell phone, right? Like we waited as long as we as long as we possibly could till high school. So well Stella to have a cell phone, but or an iPhone, I should say, out in the world, an iPhone, which was a beautiful, we're so thankful that we did that now. But there were so many conversations that brought connection versus because I said so. And and so yeah, because I said so just doesn't, you know, you just got to have a high level of fear and force with the I said so in order for it to work. And it just does not bring connection. Yeah, I think for me, it wasn't necessarily what my my parents said, but it was more the look. <laughs> like sometimes oh, yeah. in Asian families, they don't need to say much. They just yes. give you a look. They give oh, you yes the eyebrows, the fur. I know what look brow. you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I, I give that look sometimes, so I need to watch myself where, like, <laughs> where you just side eye, like give them a look. And then, you know, you just know that they're disapproving. And what mm-hmm. you said earlier, Midori, about like you learn how to comply out of fear. And I think a lot of it is just like what, OK, I need to do this. I need to like fall in line. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen. And so after a while, you just you don't necessarily experience those negative consequences because you've learned how to appease, but then, yeah, you lose touch with yourself. You, Mm -hmm. you aren't actually making those choices for yourself. You're doing it out of fear. And so one thing that I, I often say is like obedient, like regulated children aren't always, aren't, regulated really they are afraid they're mm-hmm. so like what you said yeah. Midori about like not being able to cry because you weren't allowed to because you were afraid to cry and so yeah you might have a child that never cries that is always doing what you want them to do but how much of their emotions do they need to suppress because they are afraid of showing their full selves to to you so yeah that do that you know your child I feel like my mom does not know me Mm-hmm. And how sad is that? Yeah. I know. It's the same feeling. Will, yeah, she will never know me. She knows the version in her own head of me. She does not know me. And I don't think that I don't think that she necessarily is even willing to get to know me. And that's so sad. And that's something that I want to change and not repeat. I want my I want to know my children and I know that this is a journey and I know that I'm going to constantly have to learn and be curious about my children. They're not just this person who is, you know, a stagnant being. They're evolving, growing themselves. And so I just think about how sad it is that I don't think my own mom knows me and how much I crave to know my kid. So Mm -hmm. I just see, like, I just wish she could feel the connection with me. And I don't think that it'll ever get there. Mm, I can so relate to that. I think one thing that you just shared about that curiosity, when I think about that, it's like 
understanding that your child is a separate being and is their own person and that it takes a relationship. It takes curiosity and communication and connection in order to like continue to discover them. Whereas like tiger parenting or maybe like more authoritarian parenting is like, they, they are this static being. They are something mm-hmm. that you mold, that you control. And there isn't that curiosity. It's like who I make you to be or who I want yes. you to be. And so Absolutely. Yeah, to have that curiosity is like, ooh, who are you? And, and that sense of discovery with our children. I think that's Actually, beautiful. Terry said something mm-hmm. a long time ago when I was pregnant with Cove. And he brought this up in conversation you know, years ago. And he said about Stella, he said, when Stella came into this world, I knew I didn't own her. Mm. I was just here to guide her through life. And how honored am I to be able to do that? And that has stuck with me like till today. I, I think about that all the time. And so what you just shared kind of brought that up for me. Mm, So beautiful. And, you know, into our second point about mentoring our children on how to be happy and healthy versus drive performance, like what you're describing that's common in tiger momming or tiger parenting and so many authoritarian circles is like this, this, like the shaping and the molding and the like, you know, Oh, breaks my heart but Christians of like miss like guide your you know train your children up and then it becomes it's like accomplishment like look at what I created right but it's like a lot of like performance driven right so it's like I was recently like we were with on a coaching call where some of my students and I were like remembering just the phrase of like do your best do your best you always are pushed to do your best and then even when you did your best it was always like you could do better mm-hmm. you could do better So it's like, Iris, talk to us about doing it differently with our kids where we're not driving performance, but we are like, we're just interested in making sure we do everything we can to raise happy and healthy human beings. Yeah. The unconditional love piece, right? Is like when we were so hyper-focused on performance and on achievement, on like, quote unquote, excellence. And I think what that communicates to our children is that, that, our love and our approval of them is contingent upon their ability to to perform, you know, whether or not that's like what we consciously want to communicate, that is what we communicate. And, and then, you know, we raise children who are so stressed out because they are afraid to fail because they feel like their, their worth and their value in this world is so tied to either their grades or, you know, whatever, whatever that is that we are pushing. And so, yeah, what does it mean to be supportive parents and express unconditional love? And I think especially for for me as an unschooler, as somebody who is really trying to resist that, like um, that hyper-focus on, you know, quote-unquote success and achievement in the world, but really just allowing our children to be who they are and how can they live authentically in this world instead of me coming to them with all these expectations, all these standards of ways that I want them to perform and standards that I want them to achieve, but really to strip all that away and say like, okay, in this moment, like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything else other than yourself. And I love you and accept you. And how can I support you so that you are your best version of you in whatever way that shows up? And so 
I think like, how can we show up in the world, not in order to seek our worth, but because we know we have worth, inherent Mm -hmm. worth. And so if we like empower our children to know their inherent worth, regardless of their achievements, then they can go out in the world and be confident and be like confident in offering whatever they have, you know, Uh, and it doesn't have to be like, you need to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. It's just like whatever unique, you know, nature, unique essence that you have to offer the world. How can you bring that with confidence because you know, you are loved and worthy. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Yep. Cause we all know like true happiness when you grow up, it's like, if you are doing something that brings you joy, that you feel like is using like your God-given gifts to like help the world or just be who you are in the world. Like if you are just doing something that you feel called to and driven to, and that is who you are, like that is true happiness, right? Like, I think we all discover that as adults. Like, I think your story wasn't your story that you were like, didn't you like go to, didn't you go to Harvard or Stanford or Beth? No, no, no. No, something like, weren't you like. I went to Berkeley, but no. Okay. Okay. Not (laughs) Ivy Not Berkeley, but then like you, I mean, you were hitting these like high achievements through, right? And then you realize like, wait, 
I actually want to be an unschooler. <laughs> I don't want it yeah. like that. And I think part of it is just like w- going through all the motions and, and hitting all those benchmarks and doing what everybody expected me to do. And then at the end, it's like, this isn't even what I really want. This isn't what I care about. And like, same with my husband, he became a, an electrical engineer and like worked in the Silicon Valley. And then after a while, it's like, this isn't really what I want to do. And, and became a teacher in China wow. and like, and, and, and found ways, found, found careers that he really loved, even though like from a societal viewpoint, those don't give you points, you know, those don't like, you don't, you don't get the accolades and you don't get the status from those things. But it's like, if we can be true to ourselves and like know who we are and be authentic and like, yeah, then we can live a life that feels good for us and that we can go out and serve the world in authentic ways. That's beautiful. And we're getting, we're going to get to let go of image driving as our last point today. But so so being that like you're doing this work in America now, Iris, as like this beautiful, you know, like just with this focus, I mean, you help everybody, but you have a heart for Asian American moms and families. Like, is this movement like taking off in Asia? Like, is this being like, or is it less than here? Like, cause you know, you talk about this drive and the accolades. I mean, it's very American, but it sounds like it's very Chinese and, and like maybe, maybe I mean, I always think of Japan as like this amazing like just chill place but maybe it's not right no it's like it's performance driven absolutely you bring honor to your family or you Mm. don't yeah so and there's a lot of shame and yeah so yeah I'm hoping like uh, because there's a lot of media that cannot be accessed within China so I don't know how how much but I I feel like worldwide, hopefully that there is a growing movement, especially now that resources are so more, much more readily available, you know, through the internet, through social media and stuff like that, that people all over can just have more resources and more access to different. And that was the same for me. Like I was living in China, but I discovered unschooling and a community of unschooling and peaceful parenting through online community. Yeah. And so I do see that like, you know, the younger generation, they're, they're exposed to more ideas. They're recognizing like, oh, my experience is not unique to me, that there's like this community of people that have experienced the same thing that are willing to do the work and to recognize, recognize like the wounds that we need to heal from the generational trauma Instead of just like, this is the way it's always been done. This is like just continuing those patterns, like recognizing no, this, yeah. we need to heal from these things. And so I'm really hopeful. I am very, very hopeful um, of continued transformation and cultural change. Oh, so good. Okay. Well, let's talk about our third point under this idea of like parenting in a way that like solidifies unconditional love in our kids. And that is the, the idea of let's go, let's let go of the image striving. So appearing that like, Always, like, again, it's just, it feels like a knee-jerk reaction for most of us. Like, we are almost more concerned about what other people are thinking mm-hmm. than we are about, like, ourselves and our own kids. So, appearing that we, we or our kids and our kids have it all together and embracing the fact that we're raising humans, not robots, and that we all have messy moments or imperfections or there just, there is no 
gold standard? Like talk to us about that a little bit, Iris. Yeah, I think in Asian cultures, there's this, you know, this shame element. And I think in a lot of parenting about trying to control image, it's about shaming or trying to avoid shame. And so how can we like recognize that in ourselves as parents? Like if I notice like, oh, I don't want my child to behave in that way or to do that thing because of the shame that it brings me, like for us to notice that and just to be more mindful of that so that we're not then projecting our shame onto them. It's just like, oh no, you can't wear that because that makes me really uncomfortable instead of doing that, just like recognizing how we feel about it and checking ourselves. And, and like, if our, our child, if our children grow up in this environment where they know that they are unconditionally loved and accepted and are more resistant to shame, then they can go out in the world and like not be so concerned about what everybody else is thinking about them but I think a lot of times they're in these environments where where shame is placed on them, you know, where there's teasing or bullying or whatever that is. And so, like as as a as parents and as a family, how can we at least be that safe space for them so that we aren't projecting that shame onto our children? Yeah, and come from a place of just teaching the life skill. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, let's say misbehavior redirection, right? Like just coming from an angle of like teaching the life skill that they need and meeting our kid where they are with connection and being the teacher and the mentor versus like, oh crap, like this person's judging me. And this makes me think of a story you shared with me. And and maybe you can just like share your thoughts. And if this like resonates with you, which I know it does, but like you were at a photo shoot or was it a photo shoot? I don't know where it was, but Cove like hit somebody, right? Like, or he took a toy or something. It was wild. It was like maybe the, the, the sling company. Midori is absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous and does some modeling. And I don't know, he did something. And I remember you being like, oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. Right. Like that, that's the, that's what we're talking about. Right. Like that moment where you're like, I don't know if that was your exact words, but it was definitely like this mom's looking at me, like, aren't you going to do something? And and I don't remember exactly what you said. I do have an example recently. I don't remember that. I'm sure that happens, but recently we just had a photo shoot and my husband and I were being interviewed about a product. And so we were on camera, they had everything set up. We had mics and everything. And I, said, you know, is Cove in the shot or not? And and they said, no, like he'll kind of be off to the side. And as we're being interviewed about this product, Cove won't stop making dinosaur noises. (laughs) Just like, like, please, please, for the love of God, just like be quiet for a second. Like, and so, but in that moment, I was definitely embarrassed because I think also because Cove is so well-behaved and just like is with his own self and is very aware. And I don't even need to necessarily guide him on how to behave in certain scenarios. He's just naturally kind of gets it. But in that moment, I kind of panicked and I could feel like those tendencies that like I, I'm people assuming, are judging me yeah that oh my goodness like the whole staff and everybody on set were all eyes were on us and oh my gosh her kid you know and those thoughts enter your brain and really it's just like you know what 
it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, or how can I, how, I wonder what I could do to help him be quiet, right? right. Like the, the, trying the to come thought- up with something in the moment is like, yeah. it, I kind of froze and I was kind of like, oh, okay, what, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know what to do. So that was fun. Yeah. And we all can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think we need more of those like human moments, you know, where like our children, are just doing their own thing or we, we don't show up as our best selves sometimes, you know, like how can we also be vulnerable as parents Mm -hmm. to show our humanity and like that parenting is messy sometimes. And it's not like we always have, have all the answers, which is so appreciated in the grocery store too, right? Like (laughs) if you can just remember this conversation right now and know that, like, I always tell my students, so like, there are people that are admiring you when your child is melting down. Like there are more people that are admiring you and want to just give you a hug and wish they could like scoop up the baby and give you a hand versus people that are judging you. However, especially when we've been raised with a lot of like put on the good look, Mm -hmm. like you, there's shame brought to your family. If you have imperfection, whatever it may be, then that's where our mind goes. And then it just makes the the stressful situation even more stressful because Mm -hmm. we're focused on the image striving of like, let's appear that we have it all together versus like, Hey, (laughs) I clearly don't have it all together. So I wonder what we do here. Have a state of curiosity and just know that like, there are people all around you that really do get you. So that's what I was trying to go in my mind, but it is breaking a generational cycle too. And I actually want to encourage whoever's listening that if you do see a parent or a caregiver that is, you know, struggling internally, and maybe they're having those thoughts of, oh my goodness, everybody's judging me right now. Mm -hmm. My child is, you know, going crazy or whatever it may be. I want to encourage you to, say something and say, you're doing a great job because that can be so powerful and that can completely release the stress Mm. of, oh my goodness, everybody in here is staring at me and they're all judging me. It can, it can just reset the tone. So I want to encourage anybody out there listening. If you Mm. see a situation like that, don't be afraid to Mm. go up to that caregiver and say, you are amazing. And your child's behavior does not define you. It does not define your child. Iris, I think we have a future educator here. Coach. <laughs> I mean, come on, yes, right? Yes, please. I, uh, I did that yesterday at the library and it just totally reset this mother, yeah. beautiful, beautiful mother's vibe for the whole day. And I could just tell she was stressed yeah. out. Her child in the library wasn't having it, screaming, kicking, all the things. And I just went up to her and I put my hand on her shoulder and I was like, you are an amazing mom and you're doing such a great job. Yeah. And I could just see her, everything change, her whole demeanor. She felt more confident and it was just a beautiful moment. So, so good. Okay. Well, I'm going to get you information how you can become certified and start teaching that stuff. because (laughs) I think, I think we need to become a colleague of ours. So, oh my gosh, Iris. You have to run to another appointment or interview. So let's just end by telling listeners where they can find you, where they can. We'll make sure that we add your book to our shop page at Fresh Start Family. We have a beautiful collection of all of our favorite resources and books that we've compiled over the years. But let's just tell everyone where they can find you as we wrap. Yeah. So I have a blog, untigering.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at untigering. So I'm most active on those platforms. 
Beautiful. And the book will be on the website too, but you can also, I'm sure it's on Amazon and everything, anywhere you buy books. And what is the name of the book again? Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent. Oh, so good. I'm going to have to buy a copy. Yes. Let's get you a copy. (laughs) 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 Awesome. Well, Iris, thank you so much for being here again. We just feel really honored to have spent this time with you. Thank you for the beautiful work that you are doing in the world. It is so meaningful and we just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. Thanks. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode. For links and more information about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 159. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.